In this world, there are a lot of things that people put their faith in. Money, a job, a house, family, plans, pets, sports teams, the next revolutionary diet. But where has that led us? Anxiety, confusion, financial stress, relational discord, apathy towards God. But this isn't the way it's supposed to be, no. What if in our day and time, God is calling us to rise up and renew our zeal, our passion, and our genuine worship for Him while living in the midst of a faithless world? Good morning, and welcome to First Church of Christ. Uh, Even though you can't be here and are joining us uh, from the comfort of your home and safety of your home, I want to uh, welcome you. Uh, To start out, I'd like to pray. So let us bow. Our Father in heaven, we come before you and just pray, and we are thankful that in this time we serve an amazing God, uh, the God of the universe who created everything and uh, is everywhere and can be every place at one time. Uh, We are thankful we don't serve an idol that sits in a temple that we have to visit, but you can and your spirit can be in this place uh, right now in this room and can be where you are, uh, speaking to you and to your heart directly as you are watching this. We are amazed at your power, but we are also amazed at your love. We are thankful for Jesus, uh, for the price uh, that he paid for us, for the forgiveness of sins, and the love he showed us on the cross. And we just want to say we love you, Jesus, and we pray in your name. Amen. So a couple of months ago, Brandon asked me to preach this Sunday. He's taking spring break off uh, to spend time with his family. And so the first thing I did when, he, when I got the email from him was I went to go check my calendar and check with my wife. And uh, I did that because I've learned a few things in marriage that I should check with my wife. But there was nothing on the calendar and there was nothing that my wife had that would prevent me from doing this. So the second thing I did was Brandon had sent me the passage he wanted me to preach on, and so I went to go read it. And the passage is Malachi 3, 13 through 18. So I'm going to read it for you now. This is from the New International Version. You have spoken arrogantly against me, says the Lord. Yet you ask, what have we said against you? You have said, it is futile to serve God. What do we gain by carrying out his requirements and going about like mourners before the Lord Almighty? But now we call the arrogant blessed. Certainly evildoers prosper, and even when they put God to the test, they get away with it. Then those who feared the Lord talked with each other, and the Lord listened and heard. A scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored his name. On the day when I act, says the Lord Almighty, they will be my treasured possession. I will spare them just as a father has compassion and spares his son who serves him. And you will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. And I got to the end of the passage and I thought to myself, what? What does that mean? And so I thought, hmm, maybe I just went and read it too fast, too quickly. So I went back and I read it again slower. And I'm not going to do that right now, but I read it slower 
And I got to the end of the passage and I said to myself, what? And I still didn't know what the passage meant. But I thought, well, I've got two months uh, between when Brandon asked me and today. And uh, so that gives me time to try to understand the passage. So I agreed to do this. There are three things that really as I, in the two months since I read this to today, that really helped me understand this passage. And the first one of those is read the passage in context. And I say that because when I, start, when I read this, I really kind of viewed this as a self-contained passage. And it wasn't until I went back and read the entire chapter. And if you remember, or and if you were watching, last week, Brandon talked about tithing. Because the early part of this, God asks the question or tells the people, you've been robbing me. And they say, how have you been robbing me? And he says, in gifts, and asks them to give more. But immediately before that, in verse seven, there's a question. And what that question is, is, or statement, I guess, is God is saying, return to me. God's telling the people, I want you to return to me. And so the passage, and they, they ask the question, how shall we return? And God answers that question in the passage we saw last week, that one of the ways they are supposed to return is in tithing, in giving, in giving 10% of their income to God. And then God gives them, after he tells them what to do, he gives them his answer, basically. If you do these things, I will bless you. And these are the ways that I will bless you. It wasn't until I went back and read that and I read verse seven and that, that question of how shall we return that this passage started to really make sense to me. And I wanna go back to... 13 through 15, and read that again. You have spoken arrogantly against me, says the Lord. Yet you ask, what have we said against you? You have said, it is futile to carry out the requirements. It is futile to serve God. What do we gain by carrying out his requirements and going about like mourners before the Lord Almighty? But now we call the arrogant blessed. Certainly evildoers prosper, and even when they put God to the test, they get away with it. What I realized going back was, this is God's second answer. By putting this in context, I realized that there was a question. How shall we return to you? And God said, start giving, answer number one. But I think the second part in this passage is God says, I've got a second answer for you. I've got a second thing for you to work on, and that is your attitude. You have wrong beliefs about who I am. You have gotten to the point that you believe that I actually honor people who are arrogant and who oppose me. And so what value is it for me to serve God? And so God's second answer to the question of how do we return for the people in Malachi's time was to change your attitude. And so why do I think you know, this is important? Because when I look at back at my life in December of 1994, I see something very similar to this. I've already told you about how God wanted me to read through the Bible in 1995, and I learned that. But 
what I didn't realize until I was preparing for this sermon is that I was in a very similar position to the people in the time of Malachi. Because you see, there were ways I had drifted away from God. I still went to church, I still served him, but honestly, he wasn't first in my life. And so there were ways that I needed to return. And this question was standing out in front of me, whether I knew it or not, in December of 1994. And God gave me two things. And here's the second thing. Over a few years, uh, especially when I got out of college in 91 through 94, I started building a music collection. And I have pretty uh, wide musical tastes. Uh, If it's not country music or rap or hymns, I probably like it. And so I started building a collection and that included contemporary Christian music, but it also expanded to a lot of other types of music that I like classic rock, jazz, classic music, uh, 80s music, uh, 90s alternative, even some techno music. And I like a wide variety of music. And I was building up this collection of CDs, and sorry, for those of you who are younger, before, you know, there was a world before Spotify, and music just didn't come through your phone. You actually had to go buy a physical disc or something and listen to music, and I had hundreds of these. And, but in December of 1994, I started really getting this prompting from God that I needed to purge my music collection. And this was the reason. It's not that I think that those types of music are bad in and of themselves, and I think they have a place. And I still listen to a lot of those kind of music on my Pandora stream. But what I was finding and what God was telling me was I was making music and the music I was listening to too important in my life. It was becoming almost an idol. And so, because this is what I was doing. What I was doing was, if I was, say, had a bad day or was angry about something, instead of taking that to God, I was going home and putting on some really loud music and just trying to drown out what I was feeling. Or if I had a really great day and was really excited, I'd put on some music that maybe would be like even dance music, but I mean, I don't dance, so it's not really dance music for me, but hey, um, something like dance music. And that was becoming my way of celebrating, I guess, instead of going to God in worship. And so here's what God asked me to do. And I remember this day very vividly. It was New Year's Day, 1995, and I was sitting in my apartment and all of a sudden I knew it was time. And I went through, I went over to my CD collection and I started pulling out CDs. CDs that I really felt like God was saying, you need to get rid of this. And I started stacking them up on my coffee table. And after I'd gone through my entire CD collection, had them stacked up on my coffee table. I went and sat on my couch and I just looked at them. And I can remember just sitting there staring at these CDs. And even though on the outside, you really wouldn't have seen much of anything, on the inside, there was this war going on. Because there was one side of me, I suppose it's like that cartoon angel devil thing, but there was one side of me that was like, God 
in his spirit going, you really need to get rid of this. At this point in your life, this is what you need to do to return to me. And there was the other side of me that was going, I don't want to do this. And I had two reasons. One was I liked the music. I liked it. I enjoyed it. I didn't want to give it up. The second thing was I spent a lot of money on it. And I really didn't really like that idea either. But there was a point in time I can finally remember where I reached a decision. And I got up. I went and got some bags. I stacked all those CDs in a bag, put them away, or didn't put them away. Put them, took the bags out to my car, drove across town to a used CD store, because you used to be able to sell those, and I sold all of them. And as I was driving home, I can remember feeling this weight just come off of me. And what I didn't realize at the time was that in doing that, God was opening up something in me to bless me in a way that I would not understand at the time. So this brings me back to the passage. The second thing I'd like to talk about, and really that kind of hindered me in this passage, and that I had to do was forget what I knew. And what I mean by that is this. I've read the book of Malachi many times. I have a pretty decent understanding of what's happening in it, the passage. And I know there's this constant that God uses over and over again, this pattern of God speaking through the entire thing, but God does both sides of the conversation. God says, I say this. And the people, God says, the people say this. And then God says, well, I say this. And people say this. And God says this. And in every passage, I think, but this one, God has the last word. But this passage is kind of different because this passage just ends with the people speaking. They, the people say evildoers prosper. They put God to the test and they get away with it. And then it rolls into the next passage. And this confused me because basically what I had to forget that I already knew was because I knew the structure of Malachi, I was expecting this conversation to follow the same structure and it didn't. So I had to put away what I knew and what I thought I knew about the book and read this with fresh eyes. The third part I'd like to talk about, about approaching this passage is asking questions of the text. And I came to this and one of the questions I have really comes down to that previous point of why is this different? Why is this conversation, why doesn't God have the last word in this conversation? That's really my first question of this text. And as I started thinking about that, I realized that the, the answer to that, I believe, we can never 100% know the answer, but here's the answer I think that um, God gave me in praying about this and listening to his spirit, is that it comes down to obedience. You see, there were two, well, the question was, how do we return to you? And God gave them two answers. The first one was give. And so God asked them for obedience And then he gives them an explanation and he also gives them a reward. He tells them, if you do this, I will bless you in this way. And sometimes in our life, God does that. Sometimes 
God asks us to do something and he explains himself. He says, if you do this, you will have this blessing, this reward, we see it, it's obvious. Or very quickly after the fact, it becomes obvious the blessing that we get out of what we do. But I also believe there are times where God just asks us to obey. He just says, I need you to do this. And when we ask why, he's not gonna give us an answer. And in this case, the second one, the people have this attitude and God's telling them you need to change their attitude, but he doesn't really give them any reward. He doesn't give them any explanation. He just tells them you need to change your attitude. And I think that shows how God acts as a parent because that's the case of us as parents. There are times that we will explain ourselves to our children and we will say, you need to do this. And if they ask why, and they usually do, that we say, here's why. But there are other times with our children that we just need them to obey. That because we see things and understand things that they don't. And there are times that we can't necessarily explain why, or we don't have time to explain why. And Sometimes obedience is what is needed. And so that's why I think the answer to this particular question and when God told them to change their attitude without giving them really an explanation and a reward is he was just looking for obedience. So that's how asking a question of the text, even if it's not really an answerable question, can help us to start thinking about the text in different ways and open up the way for God's spirit to unlock some answers. When I got this passage, um, I have to admit, I was kind of a little bit disappointed. Um, Not so much, well, partially because the passage wasn't really familiar to me Um, because there are passages that are. If you spent any time thinking about giving, you'll recognize, and you've probably heard the passage that Brandon spoke on last week about giving. Uh, For me personally, Malachi 1.10 is actually a huge verse in my life. I think I got 1.10, right? But it's where God tells them they may as well just shut the doors to the temple because what they're doing in there is not even worth the time they're spending. And that's a significant verse in my life for a different point of my life. But, for this passage, I didn't really, I didn't really have anything to work with. And so, yeah, I was honestly kind of a little bit disappointed. What I didn't realize and what I learned after I got to this was that Brandon actually gave me the climax of the book. And I know we have chapter four next week and there are great things in chapter four, but what Verses 16 through 18 are in this passage, and I'm going to read them right now. Then those who feared the Lord talked with each other, and the Lord listened and heard. A scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored his name. On the day when I act, says the Lord Almighty, they will be my treasured possession. I will spare them just as a father has compassion and spares his son who serves him. And you will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. So here's why I think this is the climax of the book of Malachi. 
because the book of Malachi started what seems like a really long time ago now with Kevin telling us about God loves us. And that's the foundation for the book of Malachi. And then the rest of the book of Malachi up to this point is God saying to the people, you know what, I love you so much, I'm willing to point out where you've gone wrong, where you've failed me. And because you need to turn and I love you enough to tell you your faults. But we get to this point, and this point is the moment of truth. Because the question has been asked, how shall we return? And God has given them two answers. And now they are at the moment of decision. And as I was preparing for this, especially over the last couple of weeks when we knew it was going to be this type of format, where it's me and a camera and Aaron, um, Brandon was kind of asking me what I felt about this and about preaching to a camera versus preaching to an audience. And what I've kind of realized in getting to this point is that for this passage, I think this actually works really well. And here's why. Because if I were preaching to a room full of people, I'd be looking over here and I'd be looking over there. And I may in some points be looking in your direction, but a lot of times I'm not. But at this point, this is really me and you. It's not me and the person sitting on the couch beside you. It's not me and the person you think you should send this video to. And truthfully, it's not even just me and you, but it's you and God. And that's where the people are in this point. God has given them two things that they need to do to return. And they have a choice. And this is the moment of truth. And some... And then those who feared the Lord talked to each other and the Lord heard and a scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored his name. What that passage tells us is that some of the people listened. Those who feared him heard how they needed to return and they did a concrete action. They actually wrote out in a scroll of remembrance, we will serve God. So where does that leave you? Where does that leave us? If you're watching this at this point in time, you fit in one of three groups of people. So I'd like to talk to each of you individually. One of the groups of people listening to this are people who God has spoken in the near or even far past and has said to you, return to me. Just like I was sitting in 1994 and God was saying, return to me, God is, has said to you, return to you. And maybe that's been, maybe return to you and what God has asked you is just showing up to church every Sunday or listening in this case. Or maybe it's serving in a ministry or it's joining a home group or it's increasing your giving. I don't know what God asked you when he asked you to return, but you said, yes, I will return and what I want to say to you is keep on that path because we have an enemy who wants to stop us and slow us down, but the reward is worth it. So if that, that is one group of people who's listening to this right now. But the second group of people listening to this are people that God is saying right now, return to me. Because you had some point in your life turned to God, but things happened. 
life got busy, you got distracted, maybe you let things come between you and God, kind of like I let music come between me and God in a way. Maybe you've let a relationship or another person become more important to you than God, whether that's a spouse or a girlfriend, boyfriend, child, whatever. God wants you to return. And I believe God will tell you and share with you, maybe through his spirit, maybe through conversations you have with other people, what are the things, the two things, and I think two things is a good place to start. What are the two things that God wants you to return with? It may be giving, it may be reading the Bible like it was for me, but God is gonna ask you to return and do something to concrete, in a definite, concrete way, show that you are returning to him. The third group of people are those who, it's not a question of returning because you've never turned. And I have to give you a certain amount of credit. If you're in this group and you're sitting here listening, you know, it's not like showing up for church on a Sunday where other people see you there and just your presence. Maybe you want to be known and seen as someone who attends church. But if you're sitting there and watching this on your couch or on your device and you've hung with me for this long, I give you credit. But I also know this, God is asking you to turn, to turn to him, to give your life to him, And God will give you those things, those things that you need to do now. And he will also hold off, but eventually he will continue to work because the process of serving God is a lifelong process. And God will tell you, you know what? When you turn to me, you need to change this now. But God also knows things in the back of his mind where he knows that, you know what? You need to work on this but if I gave you all these things you needed to work on right now, you would be overwhelmed. So I'm gonna hold this one off, maybe five years, maybe 10 years, maybe 15 years in the future, because God has done that to me. God is continually working on me to grow me into the person that he intends me to be. So if you're in the audience, if you're listening, watching to this, and you still need to turn to God, today is your day. Today is the day that God is talking directly to you and you, he wants you to respond. And that can be a call to our staff, a call to the church. That can be a message to, through Instagram. However, the, the staff is monitoring and listening to this. Our, even though we are self-quarantined, our baptismal is still working. We will still... Uh, listen and begin and help you begin on your pathway towards God. So that is our choice and this is where we are. That whether you are in any of those three camps, whether God just wants you to keep your path of returning, whether God is calling you to return right now or whether God is calling you to turn This message is for you because God will listen. When you make a concrete action to serve him, he will listen and he will bless you. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, 
we come before you and are thankful that you love us. We are even thankful that we can live in a time where even though uh, gathering in person for us is not safe, that you have given us the ability to still share and spread your word. And we pray in this time of doubt and uncertainty and questions uh, that your word uh, would be open to people who haven't uh, been willing to listen or to pay attention, maybe even to think about uh, what happens after we leave this life and our, uh, maybe the door and you can open the door to people hearing and knowing you uh, in this time. We know that you can work good through every opportunity, and we firmly believe you will work good through this. We just pray a blessing on all who have listened to this. We pray a blessing on your word, and we thank you for Jesus, and we love you, Jesus, and pray in your name. Amen.